Hello, and welcome to the Dichotomy Diaries, an intimate first-hand view into the dumpster fire that was my life. I'm your host, Amanda Arnier, and today I'm inviting you to join me on a deeply personal journey as we navigate a story that has left me with scars I will forever wear as war medals. Before we dive in, I want to provide some context. The story you're about to hear is being shared chronologically as it unfolded in my life. I want you to understand that when we're in the midst of fucked up situations, our perspective can be clouded. Our judgment can be compromised. This is a true story. This is my story. And I am no angel. What happened over the last three years was super fucked up. And now you get to be a fly on the wall and experience all of it with me as I release it from my soul. As we journey together through these episodes, we'll be traveling through time, revisiting moments that were shrouded in confusion, pain, and self-doubt. You might find yourself yelling at your phone, Amanda, why the fuck didn't you just leave? It's important to remember that hindsight is a powerful lens. Ultimately, when the story arrives to present day, I'll be sharing my reflections and insights gained from a vantage point of healing and growth. I've learned so much from this journey, and my hope is that these reflections will provide you with valuable insights too. Truthfully, all I ask for is your grace and understanding. During these times, I was not myself. The Amanda that some of you know was broken down and barely able to use 50% of her mental capacity. It's common for survivors of narcissistic abuse to question themselves and their choices. Not only do I question my choices in this relationship, I flat out hate that I was so weak. But I want you to know that should you ever find yourself here, trust that you are not alone. And sometimes we have to do what we have to do in order to survive. So I invite you to listen with an open heart and an open mind, to embrace the vulnerability of the storytelling. Together, we'll explore the complex dynamics of abuse, infidelity, and the human spirit's capacity for resilience. Thank you for being here, and welcome to episode one, The Sin City Serpent. Today, I'm so blessed to be accompanied by one of my best friends, Ashley. Just to preface, some of the names in this story have been changed intentionally to no longer glorify the dick I married. Our goal is to shed light on a common theme, identifying the toxic influences, or as I like to call them, dicks, in our lives. Are we actually fucking doing this right now? Yes, yes, we are. What brought you to this place that you want to share all this today? Well, it's funny because this is actually something I wanted to do with my husband, but I'm alone with you today because shame isn't something that his ego is capable of. Okay, you say your husband, you're still married and you're doing this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Still married, prepping for a divorce trial, and recounting this in real time, unfiltered, with you 
and whoever the fuck cares to listen. Well, ironically, um, Amanda has told me today that her first words ever as a little baby were hot tea. (laughs) And guess what? It's tea time. Okay. Well, let's start at the beginning. How did you meet this dick? We met in June of 2021. Initially, I had found him, I think, on TikTok. He was selling workout programs, and it was, you know, send me your info. You'll get a free workout program. He ended up actually adding me on social media and was like, hey, let's set up a call. And I'm like, bro, no, I just want the free workout plan. Thank you. Um, And then I think it was Instagram really is where the conversation kind of took off. So we, you know, added each other. I noticed that he was in Scottsdale and I was just getting ready to move back there. So I was like, that's kind of ironic. And where were you living? I was living at home in Illinois with my dad. I had come back home. We had like a house fire at my house in Scottsdale. So we kind of both had to really quick figure out where we were going to live. And I'm like, might as well be with my family during the holidays and the beginning of the year. So I was excited to get back though. That That is the most true out of anything. So we definitely started talking on Instagram. He would like pictures, comment on stories, really trying to meet. Hey, let me take you out, those kind of things. At the end of June, I saw a video that he posted, and it was a very raw video. I think he was like in a sauna or something. He was saying stuff about all of his struggles and how his faith has kind of carried him through those struggles. I think I responded to the video something like, I felt that on all the levels possible. And again, this is after quite a few like unanswered messages from him trying to communicate. I had sent that. So it sparked up the conversation and inevitably it led to June 23rd, which is the day that we met. Also his birthday. And we had talked that morning and he, I was like, what are you doing for your birthday? Oh, nothing. You know, I'm, I'm new here and I don't have a lot of friends. I'm like, you're not spending your birthday alone. Absolutely not. So I went to Walmart, got some cake, candles, and I'm on my way to his house. And I'm a little bit nervous because he's not like the typical guy that I had dated in the past. What do you mean by that? So very aesthetically pleasing, but in an intimidating way. And I think the reason that I had avoided guys like that from in the past was just because the stereotype. It's like, oh, that's a Scottsdale bro. Like they're not serious. They're too pretty. They care about themselves too much. But for some reason I was like, that video didn't seem very Scottsdale bro-ish to me. That felt deep. Yeah. So let's, let's go back to that day. Cause I know, you know, you were getting there. Mm-hmm. So it's his birthday. Mm-hmm. You go, you get him a piece of cake and some candles. Cause he tells you he didn't have plans that day. Right. And it's your first time meeting Dick. Yeah, absolutely. So I pull up, I walk up and he's there at the door and he like looks at me like, I'm the most beautiful woman that he's ever seen. I was not expecting that. I 
I was nervous. So I was like, I don't know, it's borderline expecting like disappointment or something. I'm not sure. But he hugged me in the doorway. We went inside and I put the candles in the cake. I took a picture, one of the first pictures that I have of him and blew it out. And he was just very gracious. It was like no one had done anything nice for him ever in his life. Did you guys talk a lot that night? We did. We sat in the living room and we watched the Dodgers game. And we just talked about everything. We talked about his family and my family. He's a middle child. We talked about his past relationships. He was married previously. He was also engaged like shortly before moving to Arizona and had a a long-term girlfriend after that engagement just before moving to Arizona. So he told me briefly things about those relationships. He told me about, you know, it's just his failures in life. He's moved around a lot, kind of been very transient, really painted this picture of someone who in the moment felt like they finally got a break, maybe. Yeah, it was interesting. It was very deep conversation. It wasn't surface level at all, and I love that. That's something that I really look for in a person. He did mention that he had a record, which I thought was very interesting. That's like a lot of info right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. So what did he say about his record? He said it. he had a felony, and I... Maybe this makes me sound naive, but I'm not 100% sure that I ever have dated anybody with a felony. Like, I, does that mean you went to prison? Did you go to jail? What's the difference between the two? Like, I don't know. And so he tells me about it, and he said very, very, like, firmly, I have a a felony for strangulation. Oh, my God. (laughs) Not kidding. Like, So I know you had to look this up, like, immediately after, right? For sure, but, like, can you take a step back? Like, I don't even know what my face looked like when he said that to me. Because how do you – how are you sitting alone in a room with a stranger? And then they're like, yeah, I have a felony for strangulation. If my face didn't go completely, like, I'm really good (laughs) because I don't know. Yeah, but you stayed. I stayed, yeah. what was his So he said that he had – an ex-girlfriend that he was trying to retrieve like his stuff from their shared apartment and that she wouldn't give him his stuff back. And I think that he was like trying to like restrain her from hitting him or something like that. I don't remember like specific details, but essentially she, he told me that she worked for the police station and so did her mom. They brought him in. And it ended up being pled down to, I think, like, battery, but but still strangulation. It just wasn't, like, an aggressive, violent felony anymore. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot. Like, how has that affected you? And he told me, like, we couldn't get jobs. He was on house arrest for a long time. Like, if you have a felony on your record, you basically can't move into certain apartments. You can't get jobs, all of this stuff. So that was really infer- like interesting information to hear like two hours into knowing a person. 
I didn't take it as like I should be scared. I took it as while wow, he's being really open with me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was um that was really interesting. So we're at his house and we're having this conversation. I think we talked for probably an hour and a half on the couch. So the game ends and he's like, Well, it's not a very big apartment, but like let me show you around. So I'd seen the kitchen, the living room, shows me the bathroom, closet, and then he brings me into the bedroom and he's like, have you ever laid on a sleep number? He's like, go on that side and lay down. So we're laying on the sleep number and it was obviously amazing. He's like trying to figure out what my sleep number is. And I just felt like this, like things were about to get like hot and heavy there, you know? So I tried to like divert from that. And I see on his bedside table that there's a picture frame and it's of this little beautiful angel girl. And I'm like, who is that baby? And he's like, oh, that's my daughter. And I was like, all the conversation we just had out there, I didn't hear anything about a daughter, but okay, like, when do you see her? Where does she live? And he's like, oh, she lives in uh, Vegas. Oh, okay. When do you see her? Oh, well, I don't. So he briefly, like, explained to me that he relinquished his rights against his will, I believe when he was, like, 21 or something, and that he was devastated about that, that basically everything that he did in his life, he's doing it for his daughter. He hopes to be one day, you know, reunited with her. So that really stuck with me because she's so damn cute, dude. And at this point, we're like nose to nose. And I'm like, it's getting way too hot in here, okay? So I just get up and I go and put the cake away. And he comes outside into the front room, kitchen area, and he's behind me. And that's when we kissed for the first time, like up against the kitchen sink. And I think we probably kissed for like five minutes straight. And then we went back to the bedroom because that kissing was great. And we're in the bedroom and I think I was like straddling him. And I thought back to how he said I'm Mormon. I don't know shit about being Mormon, you know? I don't, I know as Catholics, like we're not supposed to have sex before marriage, but like, what do they do? I'm assuming that it's the same, but more strict, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I think I literally said, like, I don't want to, like, corrupt you, which in hindsight is fucking yeah. hilarious, dude. <laughs> but I was like, I just don't want to corrupt you. Like, I really want this, too. But And he was like, you know, today, because it's my birthday, I just prayed for unexpected miracles, and I feel like you're that unexpected miracle. And I just – I look at you and – I feel like I've been waiting my whole life to find you. Little bit emotional. Fuck. That's hard. Um, and he's like, I think that God would forgive me because I have a, a really strong feeling that this was like, I don't know what words he used, but alluding to like divine intervention. So, yeah, we slept together and it was great. It was like, soul awakening sex which at that time was basically the only kind of sex that I wanted to have tantric exchange of energy just 
very, very special. I ended up sleeping over because it was like late. I think I got there at seven or eight. And so now it's like about to be midnight, something like that. Before we went to bed, he, I'm like putting a big t-shirt on or something. And he like gets on his knees on his side of the bed and he starts praying. Now, like, dude, I don't have, you're Catholic, right? Like, have you ever got on your knees and prayed like that? I mean, no, definitely not with someone I just met. Not. <laughs> I I honestly had never like. I don't really know. I had never I gotten know. on my knees next to my bed like I see like you see in like I don't know like children's books or something like, and he was doing it and I was like oh my god it I, feels very showy. It yeah. was very showy, yeah. but I was like oh but like that's kind of cute though. This is weird. Like we just had like really great sex. Now he's gonna pray. Like, is he praying for me? Is he thanking God that I just arrived and like I'm it, dude? So like, I legit got down and prayed with him on my knees. It's probably for the first time, and he was like holding my hand. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is a movie. Yeah. And that's the first time that I met Dick. Okay. So yeah. So. <laughs> When's the next time you see him? How did you, so you slept over. What was the next morning like with this godly <laughs> man? I don't know. So godly. <laughs> <laughs> Divine intervention. It's, it's wild. The next morning was good. He actually, I woke up so early, which was very rare for me at that time. I think that he like naturally woke up and it was like seven and I woke up and I'm like, whew. This is awesome. And he's, like, making pancakes in the kitchen, which, again, like, doesn't feel like real life. And I'm like, okay, wow. So he makes me pancakes in the morning, and I, I took off, and I went home. I had the dogs at home. And he just started texting me, like, instantly. Like, we were apart for now 30 minutes an hour, and he's, like, sending me things like, it's pretty simple. I need you to be mine now. Um, one of the ones that I always remember so vividly and yeah, just it, it is striking. He was like, I'm going to have to see you every day. Does that scare you? And now thinking back, because I said, no, that doesn't scare me. But like thinking back now, I think it really did scare me. Even though everything felt really, really fairy tale, I was like, I'm pretty sure people would think that that was a red flag, but like, I'm crazy. So, um, I like it, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Now that I think about him, like, fuck, he was really just telling you right there, girl. But that's why this process has been healing for me. Mm -hmm. So. All right. Well, I'm assuming then he did just that. He saw you every day. You guys start dating going on dates or yeah so that I mean that was the 23rd of June so I would say probably for the next at least two weeks we were going out to dinner you know we went for ice cream one night I was spending a lot of time over at his place so much so that you know my overly uh protective mother was like I see your location is at this spot and I don't really know who, what is this so then I had to tell her I was you know, talking with somebody. Um, I think she actually ended up like FaceTiming with him. And that wasn't 
it wasn't weird because my mom's like a super outgoing and chatty Kathy, I guess. But she just wanted to know who's this person I'm spending so much time with. Yeah, it's your mom as she should. Yeah. It was weird because this is one of the memories that I just remembered like two days ago. We had a FaceTime conversation with her and I'm like, hey, you know, this is Dick. Dick, this is my mom. And she was just asking silly questions like, what did you, you know, like, what do you do and all of this stuff? And he's like, oh, I'm in life insurance sales. Where are you from? I'm from Las Vegas. He's like, she's like, oh, wow, you got really like, you look pretty buff, you know? And he's like, well, I used to do competitive bodybuilding and I was a personal trainer. And she like, her eyes were like, oh, because my mom at that time was dieting and doing all of this, like, let's lose weight stuff. And she's like, well, what tips do you have for me? And she's like, I'm really trying to diet, but you know, it's just hard. And he said, he was like, well, just fucking do it. Like to my mom, the first time they're talking. And I remember her looking like, is he kidding? And yeah, that was the first experience that she had. And I was just like, that's interesting because he didn't swear for the last, you know, like two weeks at all ever. And then he's on the phone with my mom and he says, fuck, like it's nobody's business. Right. And that is a pretty aggressive statement. And if mom's asking about dieting. Yeah. Like, like, just fucking, just do, fucking it. do it. I think he followed it up with like, um, you eat an elephant in small bites or something like that. Some weird like huh. analogy. And I'm like, so oh. what did mom think about that? I mean- I guess it's kind of twofold because at the time she, you probably thought she thought something and. Well, I thought something like I was embarrassed, Mm -hmm. you know, but remembering back now, it's like, she didn't say anything about it to me that made it feel like she thought any certain way. I mean, now I know different, but you know, we'll get to that in her episode. I, at that time, I think she liked him, you know, Mm -hmm. she wanted to meet him. I know that. So. How about your friends? Have they met him at this point? I think that he had come over to my house to like meet the dogs and stuff, which was really cool because he like got down on the floor and like laid with them, which was so cute. And I'm like, yes, thank God. Um, My girlfriend had met him. She was always over at the house and I think my roommate did, but not everybody. Everybody was very aware that I was with him a lot because I was over there far more than I was at my own home. Like, so my roommate was watching the dogs and, you know, we have one big friend group. Um, so yeah, like this time, so this time let's think about it. We're like at the end of June and he actually has to go back to Las Vegas for, what was it? Oh, he wanted to go back to Las Vegas cause he wanted to pick up court records, which I was like, okay for what? And he's like, oh, well, I want to get the felony sealed partially so that he could start applying for life insurance uh, licenses in different states besides Arizona. And then also because he wanted to start investigating what it would look like for him to potentially have custody back of his daughter. So he just really wanted to get a good look. And because I had my legal back, I have my legal background. He's like, I'd love for you to like, look at all of this. So I'm going to go get that. So dude gets in his car and you know, he drives to Vegas. This is the first time that we're not together for the past two weeks. And 
think I was driving around and I got a FaceTime call from two of my friends. And I'm like, why are you guys both FaceTiming me at the same time? This feels like an intervention or something. And they're like, well, we want to tell you something. And my one girlfriend said, it's about dick. You're either going to be devastated or this is going to be your soulmate. And I'm like, okay. So then they proceeded to send me information that they had found out through just, you know, like being friends that are worried and investigating, I guess. So I look at it. And what I found was very interesting. It was the man that I was with, right? It was Dick, except everything that was on the internet had a different name attached to it. So it was almost like he had a stage name, like he was an actor or something. I dive a little bit deeper and I'm like, oh, he's like a nude, like, like, porn or like something like that. That's really interesting. Didn't expect that. I mean, he's got a good body, but like I did definitely did not expect that. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. So your friends find his internet stage name and you're talking, so he's on adult content sites, right? Yeah. So what is the stage name? (laughs) The stage name is Brett Michaels with a Y and he is on cam sites so like webcamming where people are just live and you pay you know tokens to do things that you ask of them what pretty much whatever anything goes and then he also had an OnlyFans so because I know not everybody's familiar with OnlyFans I it's a subscription site where basically you pay to have access to exclusive content so I don't know because I can't see because it's under a paywall, but like videos, pictures, you're able to direct message with these people and the subscription can be anywhere from like $3.99 to I think some people have like $100, you know. I could tell that it was him because it was his picture and I, the bio was, you know, it said lived in Scottsdale. Oh, okay. The OnlyFans wasn't the thing that was shocking to me because OnlyFans like – Hey, I support people doing what they want to do to make their money and loving their body, just all of that. What I found that was quite interesting was a blog site that had a lot of different posts that were specifically about him. And they referenced escorting for men. They referenced being scammed by him, maybe paying for something, a video, a picture, a whatever it may be, and never receiving what they paid for. And there was a lot of talk about him being homophobic and, you know, Trump supporter, Republican, but also down low, right? Which means, like, you say you're straight, but we know that you fuck with guys. So, like, imagine me seeing that after that, We prayed on our knees night, you know? Yeah. So you're getting an inclination that he's not straight. (laughs) Yeah. I, I really didn't know at this point because there was no pictures or videos. I guess I take that back. There were some videos 
that if I think about would any of my straight friends ever make a video like this, the answer is fucking hell no. Okay, like what are these videos though? <laughs> They're like solo dildo and him videos, like up close and personal, dude. And again, there's not that there's anything wrong with that because I am very open sexually with toys and stuff like that. Like I, I really am. But he was alone and it was on video. And I'm like, okay, this is a little bit weird now. Like I have to ask him about this. But coming from a family where I have five gay uncles, three biological to me, right? I am very aware of like that sexuality is a difficult conversation. So I'm already developing like these strong feelings for him. And I almost, I almost like felt like protected. I was, I don't know what it was, but this stuff was on the internet about him and I took it the wrong way maybe or I took it how other people would take it initially and then I felt bad for feeling that way I was like he has shown me not this person and there's stuff on the internet about me that I know is not true I have to give him the benefit of the doubt and at least have a conversation with him and so what I did was I I called my uncle who's also a psychologist one of the gay ones and I just kind of laid it out for him, like, really like this dude, and I found this, and he was like, well, listen, let's just come up with some questions for you to ask him, and then be like, you can be open and see what he says. Like, don't make any, like, harsh judgments about it. He's like, maybe he's bisexual. Like, I know a lot of married couples that are bisexual. They're the happiest ones. And then here's me thinking, like, I have never really even thought about that, dude. Like... I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it would have been okay with me, but the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Because I don't really know what that even means when you're married, but. Okay, so he comes home from this trip. You have this information. You wanted to make sure that you were educated, that you were going to approach him in an empathetic way and you weren't judging him. So tell me how this conversation goes when you talk to him about his adult content. Yeah, so we're sitting on the couch and he's cleaning or something. And I think that I'm probably looking like I need to ask a question, you know, he's like, what's up? What's on your mind? And I'm like, I'm really nervous to talk to you about something, but I, I just have to. So I open up my phone and I get the questions out. And I'm like, my friends found stuff on the internet about you and shared it with me because not that it would deter me from you, but they just wanted me to know. And so because of what I saw, I feel like I have to ask you some questions. The questions were like, are you gay? And he said, no. Are you bi? And he said, no. And I go, but are you, are you sure? <laughs> because if you are, like, I think maybe I'd be okay with that. I just want you to know and like that this is a safe space for you to be able to be open and honest with me. And he was like, no, I'm not. I'm straight. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I said, okay, um, tell me why there are blog postings. And when I say postings, like there was three posts that had 11 pages each. Like it wasn't just, oh, two comments or something. So a lot of people saying 
that you're an escort for men and that you've scammed people out of thousands of dollars and that you're homophobic and just a lot of things that like are concerning. So can you explain that to me? And so we're, we're on the deep conversation couch again. And, you know, he really just goes into his, his life and tells me about having a difficult childhood. He comes from a a broken home. I don't like using that term, but like his parents are divorced, but in the Mormon church, that's, you know, kind of uncommon. And he said that because of the difficult things that have happened in his life, it really threw him into a lifestyle that almost like poached him kind of because of how he looked, you know, being, I'm pretty sure he said to me like, you know, being handsome, because that's a very dick thing to say. Um, be handsome bodybuilder, you know, like that kind of thing. And yeah, like, oh, poor you, poor you, you're handsome. Um, but no, just that his, his, his life was difficult and he did things that he regretted, but the reason that he did them was strictly out of survival mode that they don't align with his values and, his sexuality, just who he identifies with is not that person that's online. I think that I asked about there being like a stage name too, because I was like, I feel like that's pretty official, right? That you have a stage name. Did you ask him where he got the stage name? Yeah. The story is always so weird for me to recall only because like, I remember him saying that it was his friend, that Brett Michaels was his friend. And then Who late, is Brett Michaels, though? Rock so, of Love or? No, not Rock of Love. <laughs> not like hairband Brett Michaels. So it's, Brett Michaels was a porn star, like a gay porn star back in the day. He passed away, I don't, I mean, in his 40s, like really early. Very handsome dude, like very good aesthetic body and everything. I don't think that he looks like Dick at all, but according to Dick, people say that they do. Um, so he had told me initially, right? Like Brett Michaels is, was my friend who passed away later on down the line. My friend, the gay porn star. My friend, the gay porn star. Uh Yeah. Interesting. Right. For this, this Mormon guy I prayed with. Uh Um, but then the story changed down the line that it was a friend of somebody he knew and that he said he could use the name. It was all very interesting, but to kind of like give insight as to where I was at mentally with all this information, right? Because now I've heard he has a felony. I heard he doesn't have rights to his daughter at all. That's interesting. Um, And now there's all this stuff on the internet where I'm like, okay, this is weird. But I think that, again, I used it as an opportunity to connect and be more open and honest myself. And so in the past with dating, I feel like I had always put on like the highlight reel for me and I had never really dove deep into like the shit that I'm embarrassed of. And I could tell that he was embarrassed about the stuff that I had found. So I thought that it was appropriate to share that like, hey, like I had been on, you know, sugar dating sites after, like, when I was 21, you know? Um, 
I get that world and, and I understand that sometimes you have to do things that you don't ever think that you're going to do. And when you look back, you wish you never did them, but that connected us then. And it really, I feel like he looked at me differently, but in a good way, because it was like, I don't have to keep the smoke and mirrors up anymore. Like I can actually be myself. So I believed him. That makes sense. Yeah. So, well, that conversation goes well for you then. Obviously, you feel like you put you all put your cards on the table. Yeah, definitely. I think we na- I think I navigated it well. Mhm. I like I said I don't I think that he was embarrassed, but I think that the way that I approached it made me feel good because even though he was embarrassed, I didn't feel he like he was embarrassed because of the way that I approached it. Yeah. So I'm just spending a lot of time like at his, at his place then, right? Like we're, I'm over there all the time and you know, there's a few things that stick out to me about that time too. So we, he had a ground floor apartment, floor to ceiling, glass windows, everything that went on outside. I noticed, I always would notice that there was this guy that would either like walk by or drive by. I know that's like it it's a street and you're like, are you always watching? But like, it was kind of obvious as like slow driving by. And I was like, who is that? And he was like, oh, well that's, that's Kyle. That's my friend, Kyle. Okay. Friend, how, you know? Well, you know, he just like helps me out with some things. I'm like, okay, do a little bit of research on Kyle. And I'm like, okay, well, he's obviously gay. And I just thought that that was strange. And Dick had at some point when like basically described him as like a stalker. He was like, you should just block him on social media. He'll try to get to know you, try to be friends with you. Just block him. Cause like, he's annoying. Okay. But like, why are you friends with all these gay guys? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I just didn't. Well, or I, I think what's weirder about it is if this is your friend, why is he just slowly driving by all the time? Why is he not coming in for a beer? Or I guess he doesn't drink, but coming yeah. in for a soda pop. I don't know. Yeah. Here's water. <laughs> <Say> hi. <laughs> Instead of like, here's my friend, meet him. It's, oh, you know, block this person right away. This person might try to talk to you. Like he's always getting ahead of stuff. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it really was because I didn't, I thought that when I asked him that he would say that he didn't know the person. Because truthfully, like if someone's driving past your your house this frequently, it's like probably they're trying to get a hold of you or something, right? And this person never came up to the door and I never saw like him talking to him, like nothing. So that was really strange for me. But again, like I'm storing these little notes mentally about all of the things that I'm hearing and we're talking about. And I'm not really sure like what to make of him 100%, but I know that like I'm falling in love with this person because of how they make me feel. Right. Because besides these tiny weird things, I mean, during this time we talked about you guys were doing a lot of fun shit together. I mean, you're going on trips. Um, he's making dinners and hosting you a lot during mm-hmm. this time, you know, cause obviously you're at his house. That's how you notice this guy driving by. Yeah, but for sure. He's taking care of you, he's, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, we're going on dates. He's paying for the dates. I think that we went to church for the first time. Um, his church, his church. Yeah. So we went to Mormon church, LDS Latter-day Saint. 
and it wasn't it was a interesting experience it was very warm and positive it was just not what I expected I don't know what I expected was like gold and Catholic church honestly yeah because let's let's talk about that you're yeah you know an Italian girl yeah raised Chicago land so yes it's mass it's Catholic church it's kind of yeah. super extra and it goes uh-huh. on for an hour and a half and there's sit stand kneel like singing and all of that this place looked like it looked like a community center, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, but everybody was very nice and everybody was, seemed so warm. Everyone was dressed like to the nines, like suits, dresses, all of the women were wearing dresses. And I think that the first um, church meeting that I went to was actually like what they call like a fasted testimony meeting, which I'll definitely get more into the Mormon church and LDS stuff in another episode but yeah, you're gonna need a whole it's gonna on that yeah it might even be too dude because it's just so much but this was an interesting one to have I just remembered this right now this is fucking crazy it was the first one and fasted testimony means like you don't eat fasted right and you're giving your testimony so there was no church official up there leading the quote-unquote mass it was young people like me and they were up there looking pretty nervous like they don't like to public speak testifying to the church of jesus christ latter-day saints being the true church right like god has helped them and the spirit is with them and and they were giving real life testimony and i was like oh my gosh i love this church this is so so you you always have 18 year olds up there you know and he's like no he's explained it to me but after church, um, he introduced me to like the bishop and to some of his friends that were there, which I thought was really nice. People were asking my name. They were trying to get to know me. It was a really good sense of community that I instantly felt connected to. And I also felt like people looked at him like he was a good person. I don't necessarily know how to explain that better than that, but that Everyone knew who he was. And, like, he dressed really, really well for church. He was wearing a blue, you know, like, pinstripe suit. And he was like, you put on your blue dress and we're matching. And I feel like fucking, you know, the president. And he, it was – it was like pillars of the church. Yeah. And, like, yeah. It, it felt very put together. And I had never felt like that in Catholic church. So that was that was interesting. And it also kind of reaffirmed what he had said about himself, right? Like, hey, I'm a man of God and this is what I want out of my life. And then there's these people here being like, hey, Dick, you sang really great last week in the choir. You know, like, oh, okay. Yeah, it almost validates him as like not a piece of shit. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah so that. So church is going great. Yes. You actually like it. I do like you it. I like the community of it. Mm-hmm. And um, tell me about some of these trips that you went on. Um, you had Sedona, Vegas. But what about Utah? Because you meet family then? Yeah. So Sedona was just a overnight. That was fun. Um, we got some gems and like little like heart-shaped opal and things like that. Vegas was really good. I got to meet his best friend. Utah was interesting. He had a singing recital and I got to meet his stepmom and his dad. And it was the day before the recital. So we went out for Mexican food and I sit down 
across from them, like we're sitting next to each other. I noticed that when they saw Dick, that they didn't like hug and there wasn't like, it wasn't very warm greeting. It was kind of awkward. We just all sat down. So we're sitting there and his dad points out that I have like my hand and my horn and like my Mary medallion on my, my Italian gold, you know? And he was like, Oh, are you Catholic? And I'm like, yeah. And he literally proceeds to say like, it's a lot of corruption in that church, huh? All the rapes. Ew. Like he hadn't asked me like where I'm from, what I did, how we met, nothing. Immediately just judging your religion. Immediately just judging my religion. And I think that Dick like chimed in because he could tell how uncomfortable and he was always like touching me too. So like I think we were like holding hands under the table and I like squeezed hard or something. And he was like, well, you know, dad, like all the religions have something, you know, and that hears me thinking in my head, like, are you serious? Like sister wives? Like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> totally. Like I try not to, to stereotype things like that, that are but, very important to people, but yeah. you don't get to like, look at my Mary medallion and be like, oh, screams rape. Like, come on. Because from what he's told me about his dad so far, right? His dad is, he glorifies him. He's the best person that he knows. He wants to be just like him. He's so sweet. He can sing. He's just an amazing man. And the first experience I have with this person is them saying that to me. And I just got the most sour taste in my mouth for him. How uncomfortable. Yeah. So... Well, gross. Yeah, that was really gross, and that that was just not fun for me. So, again, we're just kind of back in Phoenix, and he is selling life insurance, and I, I don't have a job at this point, but I'm applying. At the same time, I'm helping him with work stuff. So I've always been really, like, forward with sales and marketing. So I was like, how do we, how do we grow your business? Because what, what is he doing at the time? I don't know if we even touched on that. Yet. I think I mentioned it. So okay. he's he's selling life insurance. And so he he's working for this company called Family First Life. <sighs> How it worked from what he told me, and I think that this is really important because it, yeah. He sold life insurance and through this company, he was licensed with, let's say, 10 insurance providers, you know, company A, B, C, whatever. So he would get leads that he would purchase from Family First Life and he would call the lead. He'd set up an appointment. Most of these leads were final expense leads, which means like close to dead people were really just looking for funds when they pass away to pay for their final expenses, burial, whatever. Not I'm getting life insurance because I want to set my family up. The weird thing about all of this was one, I always thought paying for leads was weird because I've never had a job like that where I'm like, well, I have to pay to make money. Like, no. Um, and then it was people who were borderline poverty. So like he would go to somebody's house that was an old 80 something year old lady who got a social security check for $75 and she had like 30 extra to spare at the end of every month. And like the company would tell the, the employees, yeah, take that $30 and, and you're doing them a good thing. Ew. Very like predatorial and, and 
my like ethics and moral meter was like going all over the place. Super scammy, but yeah, a so is a pattern. Um, yes. Well, at this time though, and now of course we know how scammy this shit was, but at that time, I mean, he's telling you he's making money selling life insurance, and I need you to help me out with this, right? We don't. I don't think you knew the extent of how bad it was when you first met him. Yeah, no, I didn't know how bad it was. I just know that he was making money. He was getting paid. And what he was saying matched what I saw as far as income goes. His apartment was nice. He had a car. He said that he bought cash. And it and he was paying for everything, right? He was being very chivalrous and stuff. So I want to say this is like the end of July, right? Mm-hmm. So the end of July, we took a trip home to Chicago for me. The main reason was because... It, I wanted to see Elenium. So we had really started listening to EDM a lot. And Elenium was like our favorite DJ. Had like our cute, like, this is our song, song. So I bought us tickets to Lollapalooza. And we ended up staying at the Trump because his brother had worked there. We got like a suite for like a buck 25 a night. It was amazing. And I had a girlfriend who came down and she did a photo shoot of us. I always wanted to do a Chicago like couples photo shoot on the bridges. So we did that photo shoot and he was initially excited about it. But when it came time to like get dressed and actually pose and stuff, he was like, could not care less. Like you take the pictures by yourself. I'm like, that's not the fucking point, dude. Um, and then we went to Elenium and we like rolled our faces off. Like, and when I say rolled our faces off for y'all that don't know, we took ecstasy. Or okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So this Mormon guy who says he doesn't drink, mm-hmm. he doesn't smoke, you also should not do those things, mm-hmm. totally cool with ecstasy. Yeah. Okay. Like one of the first <laughs> things that he, one of the first trips that he promised me, which that's a, a theme too, was that he was going to take me to EDC the next year. And that's like the big rave in Vegas. And so I was like, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, so like, do you party? Like, do you rave, rave? And he's do like, you party? he's like, yeah, do you party, bro? And he's like, he's like, yeah, like when I raved, like that's different. Like oh. it was like, oh, it's like, that's different. <laughs> just like, different. just like the sex was different too. Oh, like, yes, of course. yeah, it's probably because it's with me because mm-hmm. I was sent from God. <laughs> just kidding. If you can see my face right now, just <laughs> I'm a little angel. An angel. <laughs> There's a halo, I promise. Um, so, yeah, we were we rolled. We actually took like a mixture of MDMA and sassafras, and that was it. Was amazing. It was beautiful outside. We're front and center. He like pushed his way, which was super cool. Having like somebody who could actually beat everyone up push their way to the front of the like we're at the rails, like head banging. It was cool. And he pulls out his phone and he turns around on us and he looks at the camera and he's like, we just took our engagement photo shoot today. What? Dude, I think I ha- I'll show you the video later, but I think I look at him like, I really can't hear right now, but I feel like I heard the word engagement and we're not engaged. What? Like, you didn't even want to do that photo shoot. What are you talking about? Hmm. Yeah, so that was that was just really interesting. Also a fun time, but yeah. So we're in Illinois. We're downtown, so we have to drive like 45 minutes to get to my little ass hometown. And 
he gets to meet my mom for the first time. Again, my recollection of what she thought was like, she likes him. He's, he loves me. You can tell he's saying it. He's like, he's telling her like, I love your daughter and she's great. And we get, you know, we're a perfect team, all this stuff. Um, can't wait to interview mom. Yeah. That's going to be really, it's going to be really good on so, on so many levels. So we were only there really for like, I think it was three or four days, but I'm glad my mom and him got to meet and we did all of that fun stuff. And those pictures too, by the way, bomb wish that I could probably erase him from them now, but still, yeah. So we're back, uh, in Arizona and we're going to church like pretty regularly now. So of course we're going on Sundays and, uh, Mormon church is two hours. So you go for one hour, like mass, like I'm going to say communion, but like sacrament. And then you go to the second hour, which is like a Bible study. Um, but aside from that, there's so much church stuff going on at this time. Okay. So missionaries have started coming over to the house and doing like a lesson with me. I didn't ask for it. It, they just showed up and, you know, he would be like, Hey, you know, uh, elder so-and-so and and elder so-and-so are coming over to the house. And I was like, for what? (laughs) Like, I didn't really understand. And the first time I met them, they were just trying to get to know me. And the one thing I do remember about all of these lessons was that it was really hard for me to understand anything when they would talk about the Book of Mormon because all I knew was the Bible. And Dick would almost be like a translator from like Book of Mormon LDS talk to like layman's terms, I guess. And he did a really good job of it. And like, I just, I got it. Um, We also would go to like midweek events at people's houses. They had like an FHE or like family home evening. And it was just everybody from church getting together, like playing games. And it it almost felt like childlike to me because I don't, why are we playing games? Like I'm 30. I don't know. How old was I? Yeah, I was like 31. Yeah. It seemed adolescent, but at the same time, I'm like, maybe I'm just like living like in this 50 year old mentality or something like I just, I'm, I'm 30 something. Like I'm good. I can have fun like this. It's fine. We don't need to drink. We don't need to do this. Like it was, it was good and very community. So we're spending a lot of time doing church stuff and Dick is still working, but it seems like he's working less spending a lot of time at the gym. He's also doing a lot of alone church activities. And I realized that the company he works for, there's two ways he could work for them. He could be writing like I've known him to, or he can be recruiting. And this is when he basically is like, you should get your license. Oh, also, how many of your friends do you think would get licensed? Licensed. And I'm like, my friends are already like kind of pushing them, like pushing me away for reasons I don't understand, but they're definitely doing it. And it's uncomfortable for me to even like have conversations with them. Even with my reluctance to do that, there were a few people I did reach out to and 
I, I was just helping him do that. I would help him. We went on a lot of trips that month. We're spending a lot of time in the car and, you know, we're listening to scripture together. We're singing together, but we're also talking about our future. And a lot of our conversations are, you know, we want this type of house. We want to live here. We want to be married and have this many kids and all of that kind of stuff. So at one point or another, he brought up, you know, getting a marriage license. And while that may seem crazy to listeners, right, because it's so quick, it didn't seem crazy to me because it was me, it was planning for the future, which is what we were doing. And it was like 25 bucks. So why not do it? With that too, came the conversation of of moving in together because I lived 20 minutes away from him and I was always driving there, but my dogs were staying at my house. So I'm like back and forth all the time. My roommate's taking care of my dogs. I'm feeling bad because like, again, don't want to push my friends away any more than I have for whatever reason. So I started bringing the dogs over by Dick's house and he had, again, an apartment, very small. I have two very large Great Danes that are used to living in a house with a yard. And when he had first met them, he was like laying on the floor cuddling them. And it was, I was very happy. Now they're at his house, which is very clean, minimalist, modern, and doesn't look like a dog had ever been there. Right. So he's almost annoyed when I bring my dogs over. So I wanted them there because I had anxiety when I wasn't around them. But now they're there and I can tell that they're bothering him and that he's like cleaning up the dog hair while they're still there. And I'm getting anxiety like, oh my God, is he is he upset? I remember one night they wouldn't go to sleep and they kept barking. And I woke up in the middle of the night, like three o'clock in the morning, literally drove my dogs home because I didn't want him to be mad. So I'm starting to feel like this, I need to act a certain way to please him. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I know you love those dogs. So yeah, I, it just sucks that like when you first met him, I mean, you know, that's a huge thing for you is, is he going to get along with my animals? And you know, he does. He's yeah. It was, it was kind of weird too, because for as, for as much as he, he showed that he loved them, there would be these moments, like I just mentioned, like where it was almost a a switch was flipped and it was like, he was not a dog person. It was like, I'm a dog person or I'm not. There was no in the middle. He would buy them bows and bones sometimes. But then if he saw too much dog hair, it was like, this is why I don't want dogs or something. And it's, you don't say that to the person you're planning your life with. You know, we're talking about moving in together and I have dogs. I'll always have dog hair on all of my shit. Like that's how it is. So fast forward really to um, the end of August and we just thought it made sense to save money and he moves in with me and my roommate. Um, You know, the rent is significantly cheaper. It's like $1,600 split between the both of us and at that time too, we combined our cell phone plans. Now again, I'm not working. I had a severance package but – I was paying for things here and there. Like at this point, we're probably 50-50 with with paying for things. Like I'm buying groceries, you know, gas, whatever it is. And 
I think that he could tell that I was stressing out about money. So he like offered to pay, like, I'll pay 1200, you pay 400. You've really been helping me with recruiting and work and all of that. And I just thought that that was so sweet. Um, because I was really freaking out. Like money is a huge trigger for me. He always would say things like, well, in 90 days, none of this will matter. And, and that's really like alluding to the fact that he truly thought that he was going to just make it, make a fuck ton of money within the next 90 days. And it doesn't matter what we're doing right now. Spend it all. Don't spend it all. It doesn't matter. And it's like this fake abundance that he always would put out there almost as like a defense mechanism to the poorness, I think. Which leads me into the reason for the poorness. What is poorness? The poorness. Like being poor. I don't (laughs) know. poorness. Poorness. I don't know why I keep hearing porn in my head. (laughs) Well, I mean. I mean. Yeah. It's it's in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So... He had mentioned very briefly when we first met about gambling. And I think it was because we were watching the Dodgers game and he pulled out his phone. He's like, oh, I'm looking at my bets. Now, not growing up in a family that understands or like has gambling around at all. I don't even know what that means. I know you bet on horses and you go to the track. Like that's about it. Like Arlington Heights life, you know? Well, he would be, we're living together. And so he would be like, I'm going to go to the bank. Okay. And he'd be gone like way longer than than bank route time, right? And we share locations. We have now for like a month or so. And the location would go off. And I'm like, that's weird and dishonest and I fucking hate it. But okay. And he'd come back. And I I didn't say anything initially because I'm like, I don't have an I don't have any facts. I'm not gonna sit be like turn your location back on like we just met, basically. I found receipts in his car and they were withdrawal receipts from FanDuel. At the time, I had no idea what FanDuel was, but it's a sports betting app that you can use in Arizona where you can basically bet on all sports and you can go and pick up your your actual cash money in Phoenix because they have a location outside of Chase Field. So again, money's tight for me. He's saying that he's going to pay for, like, part of my portion of the rent and, like, we have our cell phone bills and, you know, the time comes around that it's due and and it's not paid. But I see that there's withdrawals from FanDuel for, like, 700 11 you know, like, 1500 like, large amounts of money that rent could have been paid, bills could have been paid, and still have money. His mood really starts to change here. And I didn't know what it was about. And so one day I, I'm just like, I, I go into the bedroom and I'm like, hey, like, what's going on? And he like sighs loudly and has this weird look on his face, like black eyes. Like it was like stoic, no emotion in his face. And he's like, I feel like I've been bait and switched. And I'm like, about me? Like what? What could possibly be be worse about, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't understand. And he was, like, saying about my law degree, and he's like, I don't understand why you don't have a job yet. And I it made me feel really shitty. And it also really made me, like, start mentally, like, comparing myself 
to all of his exes who of course at this point I had like looked up right and they're all so beautiful and what I know is that like they all left him and and so he he's the victim there right and it's like well do you still want to be with these people do you do you like women who look like that because at this time I, I was not skinny like I I was working on it but I wasn't and so my self-esteem just fucking plummeted and I started working out like every single day because I was like I don't I don't want you to leave me I'm, I know that you said fitness is important to you that is a huge value in your life like it hasn't always been for me but I can make sure because it's important to you that it is for me now you know I could tell that he was gambling, but I didn't ask about it. And if I did, it was kind of met with this almost like don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. I don't know. It was like it was like a secret or I think he just didn't want me to know how much money he was spending on it, to be honest. But whatever. So we're in September and, you know, the most notable thing is – getting baptized you got baptized <laughs> wait <clears throat> okay sorry that was actually not planned but came out hard <laughs> <laughs> so did was it like um something that was required of you to get married to him to be baptized or was this something you were like really excited and full force your decision about doing because I mean you are from what I've known about you being your friend for 10 years always been a woman of faith been really strong to your you know Christianity you are very proud to be a Catholic Italian girl so how did this happen well initially like even before we met in the conversations about just who he was one of the first things he said to me was like, I'm Mormon. Do you want, you know, do you want to come to, or would you come to Mormon church with me? And I was like, sure. Like I'll learn, you know? Mm -hmm. And he had said something along the lines of, I I'll marry someone in the Mormon church or my wife will be Mormon or something like that. He was never like, you have to be, but thinking back now, right. I didn't set up those missionary visits to the house the Bible lessons. Going to church for me was me actually just learning through experience, but now I'm getting full, full-fledged lessons weekly. And the lessons start out talking about just being LDS and Mormon, and they quickly turn to, do you believe what we're telling you to be the truth? And will you get baptized? And I have the guy that I love sitting right here and I have these two young men across from me and it was um it was it was a lot of pressure like a lot for sure well, yeah tell me more about baptism day so it was on September 11th which initially he had picked that because he's like let's make a you know a negative day a positive day and I'm thinking he's thinking talking about like literal 9/11 and he is actually talking about the day that his ex left him. He says 9-11 is the day that, you know, so-and-so left me, like the most recent girlfriend. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, this is this is your special day. It's my special now day. it's about dick. Right. 
And I'm like, okay, that's, that's really interesting. But yeah, um, getting baptized in the Mormon church as an adult is wild. I don't know what it's like as a kid. I would assume a little bit different, but they full body dunk you and you have to wear like these white jumpsuits, ugliest things you've ever seen in your life, like prison jumpsuits, but worse. And the part that I think was the most special to me was that Dick was actually able to do it. He had acquired through the years of being LDS, like the priesthood that he could perform that sacrament. And, um, so we're both in this, like, basically was like a bathtub, but like the front of it was like glass and the people that we know were like outside. He's inside with me. I think he actually did it once, but he said the wrong thing. So I got dunked like full face of makeup and, and dry hair got dunked and I got pulled up. And he had to redo it, actually. Yeah. I'm just picturing you guys in your white suits swimming in this church pool. Yeah, it was a lot warmer than I expected. I didn't think that it was going to be like hot tub level temperatures, but it was, so that was nice. But again, at this time, this is connecting us, right? That whole experience is like, I'll never forget being baptized by him to this day, you know? And and I think that that was a special moment for him, too, because initially they had told him that he couldn't because of prior things that have happened that put him on, let's just say, like, probation, right? And then he was actually able to, and so he felt like he was moving ahead by being able to do that. So now I'm Mormon, <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> Thanks. It, it yeah, an interesting time in my life. But it makes sense. I mean, these as much as we're giggling about it, I mean, these were your friends at this time. I mean, yeah. There are good people, I think, in any kind of organized religion, and I think it makes absolute sense why you were drawn to these people and that you felt that sense of love and community and then also I feel like you loved seeing Dick in this setting you know yeah it sounds like he was thriving in that community he definitely the church version of Dick is the version of him that I fell in love with like 100 percent and when we got back into our environment back home, there were things that didn't quite align with church version of him. And we had conversations about that, but it to me it was important because, you know, I, I'm converting religions. I'm now a different religion for you, but you're not living by all of the laws. Like, gambling? Really? Like, there's all this stuff on the internet about gay experiences. Um, all of it was just a little strange, but at that time I really just chalked it up to past mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you think about any Christ-based religion, it's like, it's all about forgiveness. And I really have always like believed that. And that's how I have gotten past my past shit, you know? So, um, we're now that I'm Mormon, 
we're like having the missionaries over for dinner. I'm like full-blown housewife basically at this time. So I'm making homemade meals for like six people. They're coming over like still once a week, but not lessons. Spending money on like gift baskets to give them just to like really just hit home. Like I'm doing this for real, but money's an issue. Like he still hasn't given me the rent. And he's saying he's paying for my portion too. He hasn't given me the cell phone money. And I'm just feeling extremely, extremely stressed. And I, we were talking about it and I was like, yeah, so I have a Discover card and it's, it's at its limit. And he's like, well, what's the point of having a 401k if you're in debt? Like you should just not be in debt. And I'm like, I guess that kind of makes sense. And I withdrew my 401k. That's wild. And I know we had talked about that before, but I didn't know that he was the one that initiated that that was even a freaking option. Like, Yeah. So, we, I mean, we had talked about our finances a lot together, like as far as 401k and savings, not like what's in our checking account, but now that we're living together and we're sharing expenses, I have a credit card that has a very high limit on it. Well, it's very close to the limit. And I'm talking like, well, what do I, what should I do about this? You know, we're having conversations, trying to make decisions as one. And his answer is, well, you have 401k, mm-hmm. you know? And so I just, I, I listened to him and I cashed it out and I paid off the credit card and I think that there was some extra money that I just, you know, had in the checking or savings and I paid for the rent and I paid for the cell phone bill that he had told me he was going to pay for. And this is when it starts being really weird with finances is because before I'm so used to this person who's like taking me out to eat and has this wonderful apartment and I don't really know anything about the finances, but from the optics look like he's got it all together. And now I'm still looking for a job, but now I'm I'm cashing in my 401k to pay for things. Okay, like that's not very cool. At some point, because life insurance, him writing it is has almost completely stopped. I can he's laying in bed a lot. I can assume only that he's gambling. Again, no no money coming him from him for the bills. He you know, reaches out to me via text one day after the gym and he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm poor. And I just remember feeling so bad for him. And I, I just like felt like relationships sometimes are 50, 50, but other times they're 90, 10. And if I needed to cash in my 401k to pay our bills so that we can exist, like, I, this is the sacrifice I'm going to make. And then later on when when I need a sacrifice, right, like he would make that for me. And that's just what I banked on because that's the kind of person he was presenting himself to be. So October, there's not really that much happening. We take a really long road trip because at this point, he's kind of falling off from the day-to-day life insurance hustle and bustle. He's not going on appointments every day. There's also not money coming in and recruiting has kind of stopped. And what he was really doing was looking for big wins. So if there was a policy that would pay him out 
10,000 plus, but it was in Pennsylvania. We were getting in the car and we were driving there. And I still didn't have a job at this point. So I was in the car with him. Again, more alone time, more, you know, talking about our future and what we want that to look like. Really like dreaming, not so much goal setting because how are we going to set goals when I just cashed in the 401k and like you didn't pay me and now I'm nervous to ask you for money, which is really also a huge thing that I think is important in, in this story is that so many times I would just pick up the tab, even if he had promised to pay it, whatever it was, rent or dinner. Um, and he would either say like, I'll pay you back or something like that. But then I would feel so bad asking him for it because I could see daily in his face that he was disappointed with, with what was going on with him career wise. So there's two things that, well, I guess there's three things that stand out in November. One's well, a really big, exciting one. Did any of those, because you guys are driving around, he says he's going to try and make the money. Did any of that cash out? No. Oh. They didn't. So it was a waste of time, waste of gas. I admired him for his perseverance through all of it, I guess, because I was getting like secondary defeat. It wasn't my loss, but I felt it. I felt it financially, but I also was dealing with the aftermath of what kind of mental state it put him in, which was weird for me. It was like a walking on eggshells kind of uh, emotional space. So if we're going in chronological order, (laughs) there was a weird thing that happened One day he came to me and he's like, I got to go to a Bible study meeting uh, this evening. Okay. I'd heard them talk about that before, him and the missionaries, but he hadn't done it. So he left around like seven o'clock and now it's like 10 o'clock and he's not home. I haven't really heard from him. So I check his location because we had that shared for a while now. And it looks like he's at this apartment that I don't recognize. But then I like zoom out and I look at the cross streets and I'm like, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. And it's, you know, in Phoenix. And I thought back to when he had referenced this this guy that he knew in Phoenix that was a relatively, like, wealthy business owner, just so happens also to be gay. So I remember him just, like, gloating about his home and about how nice it was because that is a thing that Dick does is he has to know how much everything costs and he will just flat out ask you how much money you make a year. The social like awareness that that is not cool and kind of like adolescent to do, but he doesn't care. Like he doesn't think that it's wrong or doesn't see that as an issue where I'm, whatever he did in front of me, I was fucking mortified. I literally like grab my chest like this and be like, oh, oh shit, that's so rude. But he always did it. So I got like used to it. That's just who he is. You know, it's his quirky thing. So like in the past, he's just randomly brought up this wealthy, well-to-do gay guy and gives you the cross streets of where he lives. 
Yeah, he would he was telling me like about his business or something and that got into him tell so he, the guy like owned a transportation company and at one point actually when when he, we were he was still living at his apartment the dude like pulled up in a Lamborghini and I was like well, who is that? It's like, "Oh, that's so and so. Why is he here?" Also, I think that I was like, "Am I going to meet him?" And there was no like, "No, like no, you're not he didn't say no, but like he didn't invite me outside or invite him inside. And he just went for a ride in his Lamborghini. Weird. It's weird. Right? Right? It's very weird. <laughs> because it's not like one of your best friends. Like, I got this new car. Yeah. And then it's like, here's my girlfriend. Like, it. that's. It's strange yeah. to me because I I put it in context of like you. If I got a new car, I would pull up in my Ferrari or whatever and be like, hop in, bitch, let's go. And then I'd be like, Frankie, stay inside. Yeah. But like, <laughs> like he no, knows never. me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Frankie so knows weird. who I am. Yeah. It's, it's not weird. But say a stranger pulls up and is like, hey, bitch, get in. You think Frankie's going to be peeking out the window? Yeah. Like that, that's just how that goes. Like it's weird when you don't give – if you mm-hmm. don't give details, you're leaving room for questions. And that is like his bread and butter. That's what he did the most. This guy also, he would go and work out with him at – a lifetime that was relatively close by. But I remember like working out for him was normally like a hour and a half to like two hour thing. Like when he would go and he would be with this guy, it would be like four hour ordeal. And I don't know how accurate the fucking Apple maps are. Like I think pretty, pretty accurate. You can tell if someone is in the building or in the parking lot. And I remember a a instance where like, he was saying he was at the gym and that he wasn't done working out. And then I'd look and the little dot is in the parking lot. And I'm like, sitting in the parking lot with a dude in a car? Weird. Totally weird. So now, okay. And these are just things that are happening. But at this point in time, he's doing a, he's telling you he's at a four-hour Bible study. Mm-hmm. At, and But he doesn't tell you who he's with, but you recognize the address and he's right. a well-to-do a homosexual man. Yeah, and, and I just I think I realized that like the he didn't go to Bible study. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah, <laughs> unless that's what we're calling it. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, quote it's 10 unquote. PM. I yeah, mean, I mean, I we're think speculating. But <laughs> if he's with missionaries, I don't know this, but I'm assuming that they have a curfew, and I feel like 10 PM Bible studies, like it's just not a thing. I don't know. Could be wrong, but. It always felt really weird, and that's always something that I was like, ah, that's so strange. So, again, money's not coming in. He's not doing day-to-day life insurance work. All of a sudden, one day he comes to me, and he's like, his eyes are, like, just lit up, and he's like, we we got this call, and I'm like, okay, what kind of call? And he's like, well, there's this guy, and he's a consultant, and he has this program where it's 100% geared towards life insurance agents, which I watched the whole hook video. It's absolutely for him. And I get that. But also he probably saw it because of an algorithm. Let's be serious. But we get on the phone with this guy and he's talking about the program. He makes an AI software that actually like texts the leads for you. They're not used leads. You don't have to pay for them. They're free. Everything sounds way too good to be true. But I'm like, you, he looks happy during the call. He's like, you can see like the spark kind of back in his eyes. And like the guy who's laying in our bed day to day 
is gone and this like excited person that I love is sitting next to me. And the guy's like, well, you know, the course is normally this actually, yeah, the course was like $7,000 originally. He's like, I'll give you a discount. And so like 56, 5,700, I had just paid off the 401k. Or I'm sorry. I just paid off the discover card by cashing in the 401k. I have a little bit of cash and, but I spent that on our rent because he hadn't paid me. So now I know that he doesn't have any money and he's looking to me to basically like in pay for it. And it wasn't like a, no, you don't have to, if you don't want to, there was no like guilt trip, but it was more so this conversation, like from me, not even from him, there was no convincing. It was like, I'll do this for you and I'll invest in you because I love you and I believe in you. And to be completely transparent, I just wanted to be fucking happy. Yeah, I mean, a happy dick is a good dick. I mean, he's yeah. Like, <laughs> but, I, I no, mean, really, like he's, truthfully, he's nice to you. Then he's nice to me. Then mm-hmm. if he's working towards something and he's not hitting all these roadblocks, like he's a a genuinely good partner at this moment, and I just wanted that because I felt bad for him. Common theme: me feeling bad for him. So the next big thing is that we had to move out of that house. That we were only there temporarily and and my friend who was the owner needed it back for season cuz it was coming into the cold months in Arizona which are profitable. So we start looking at places to live and everything in Scottsdale is just fucking insane and so we have to start looking further and further out. End up moving, finding a place up in northern Phoenix, very displaced and but we but we went there and we liked it and it was the right price as far as what he can contribute to what I can contribute ironically I didn't have the cash to to put down the deposit and and one of my exes who I'm very good friends with to this day like actually gave us money to like get the place you know we have the dogs they were his dogs once upon a time and he's just a godsend in my life truly I can attest that he is a great guy. Yeah, he's yeah. wonderful. Shout out to you. Love you. And but was so Dick was okay though with your ex helping fund now he deposit? now he was this specific ex at some point in the beginning of our relationship he had told me if I have to hear his name one more time and I'm like hey sorry like on one of the things I always said after me and that ex broke up was that anybody in the future had to be okay with me having a relationship with him because that's just the kind of person and the kind of relationship we have it was like he's always going to be in my life he's not just the person that I dated for six years and, and loved you know but he took care of me he like changed me and and like I wouldn't have two degrees. I wouldn't have ever lived in Arizona. There's a lot of things like my family loves him. I just, I love that man and he's just done so much for me. So he didn't, he stopped being like that when this person offered to help. And, you know, it was on the on the premise of like, we'll pay you back, of course. Mm-hmm. Because again, I'm not telling anybody that he's not making money. I don't want to do that. I don't want to embarrass him. I don't want to have people judge him more than they already judge him on the internet, you know? 
So I just wanted to just make sure that everybody gets this, like, we pick this place out. It's very important for later story context. And it was bright, and it had a backyard. So we move in, and the move-in is a little bit weird because we don't really have that much money. He actually, like, recruited people from church to help us move all of our stuff from two storage units into this house. And I felt horrible because it was like slave labor, truly. But he's like, that's what we do in the Mormon church. We help each other. And I'm like, I don't really see you helping anybody move for six hours. Yeah, it sounds like that's what they do to help. Yeah, it's like you take advantage of the niceness of others is really what it boils down to. So now we live together. We don't have a roommate. There's um, anything else? Like, that sticks out to you about finally living together? I think that understanding the little idiosyncrasies was was interesting. Like, he didn't like to do laundry or clean or pick up after himself. But I was like, I got it. It's okay. There was a one instance, which is kind of like the first real blow-up argument that we ever had. He's in the bathroom. He's doing something in the mirror. And I walk up behind him. I don't know. He's like going to pee or something. And like I notice that there's a zit on his back. And I'm like, ooh, I got to get that. And he's like, what? And I'm like, there's a really good one back here. So can I get it? (laughs) And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So I'm just like going in and not hard or like not like digging or anything just squeezing it a little bit, and he fucking freaks out. He literally punches the mirror and, like, yells the loudest I've ever heard anybody yell. I don't know how the mirror didn't crack, and it fucking... It didn't crack? No, it didn't. I don't know how it didn't break his fist either, but, like, it scared the fucking shit out of me, so much so that, like, I ran out of the bathroom and went and, like, sat on the bed, and I was like, whew, like, holy fuck. And to be completely honest with you, now, you know, I I'm, can be open and honest about this. I now have heard that he has a felony for strangulation and a violent felony is what it started out with. Now I've heard the story and I know that it's pled down and I've never experienced him being violent or angry or having outbursts like this at all. But... What I just saw is, like, I don't know, textbook fucking roid rage. Like, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like to me. And and from having conversations with people, that's what happens. Just random outbursts out of nowhere. And I hadn't seen any, like, steroid use. I think maybe I saw testosterone, but it was a prescription. So that's okay, right? Like, I saw this, but there was a prescription. Never saw anything that didn't have a label or seemed illegal, I guess. But he comes in the room and I was like, that was scary. Like, why did you freak out? Did I really hurt you like that bad? And I said something along the lines of like, you, that can't happen again. And he started grabbing his bags and pack. He like grabbed a double bag and he like put his laptop in it. And he was like packing. Where are you going? And he's like, I'm out. If you, if you think that I'm going to hit you, like, 
I'm I'm out. Fuck this. So no, I'm sorry for yelling, for freaking out, for punching a mirror, but nothing. Okay. And it's weird because I've shared this story with like a lot of people over the course of time. And every single person that I share this with is always like, dude, if my husband ever freaked out and I flinched, he would feel so bad and he would like kiss my feet and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I scared you. And instead, his reaction is to pack his shit and go. And here I am, like, we just moved in. Boxes are still everywhere. You know, it's about to be fucking Christmas and... You're just going to, where are you, you're, are you leaving me? I don't know. Like, are you leaving me? Are you going for the night? I don't want you to go at all. So I'm like begging him, like crying, like, please don't go. Please don't go. I was just the one scared. Like you scared the fuck out of me. You don't apologize. Now you're going to fucking leave me. And I'm begging for you to stay. Like in hindsight, it's so fucked up because it just sets the table for what's to come. Okay, Amanda, let me lay this all out really quick. You meet this Mormon gym rat on Insta selling shysty life insurance. He's got a felony strangulation on his record. There's naked pictures of him all over the internet. He probably most definitely has a gambling problem. You're being alienated from your local friends, and now you live alone with him. And before your boxes are even unpacked, you pop a zit on his back and you see this like crazy aggro side of him that you've never seen before. So how could you not have any foresight about what was unraveling? Ash, you got to understand that, yes, I just gave you all the shit that stands out to me now, but there was a lot of good shit in between the bad shit. He was leaving me love notes and apologies. He was taking me to dinner and being overly affectionate. He was randomly telling me that I was beautiful during the day and truly acting like he couldn't keep his hands off me. For every crazy thing that happened, there were 10 promises being made, reaffirming the future that we had dreamt up together. Looking back, what I've realized is that most of the things that kept me believing I should keep trying, keep believing, were spoken words and not actions. So y'all, if you think that what you've heard so far is a lot, you better buckle up. Believe it or not, the first 11 months were the good months. Thank you so much for joining me. Please subscribe and follow and get ready for next week's episode where the true colors begin to seep through. It's not over yet till you taste regret. It's not over yet.